Hello and welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theatre in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. Tis the season for Broadway Bears. As you'll learn in this episode, members of the Broadway community are raising funds for Broadway Bears Stripathon. Head on over to broadwaycares.org to learn about the organization and how you can donate to the Stripathon. And as always, follow us on Twitter and visit theaterinthenow.com for the latest news, reviews, and interviews. Some call him Thirst Trap. I call him Chad. Please welcome Chad Sav. Hi. How are you? I'm great. You know it's true because your stupid ass Instagram. You should just you should plug it right now so everyone can like look at it as they listen to the podcast. Okay. Well, my Instagram handle is at c s a p p zero three. That's the one you're referring to. Yes, that's correct. Um, and then of course I have my other one, which I'll plug later in the show. Yeah, we'll for... get to that. But how are you today? I'm great. A little sleepy, but great. Yeah, I um, love that it's finally getting nice out. Right. Which means landlords don't turn the heat off yet, which means your apartment is super hot. Right. Like mine is right now. Right. Well, it's. I don't know if I would go super hot, but it's enough that um, sun's out, gun's out. It's true. (laughs) And you got them out. (laughs) So we're going to talk about everything, Chad, and your dance alter ego. Right. Let's learn about Chad first. Where are you from? Um, so I was born in England, but I actually am from a military family. So my dad was part of the Air Force for 22 years. Proudly represent that. But I grew up mostly in Kentucky after he retired. Um, and then I went to school there as well. So I was there for about 15, 16 years. And what's life like in Kentucky? Um, it's a lot slower mm-hmm. than here. Uh, and people are always like, you don't have your, ac- like an accent from any of the places where you've ever been. And I go, well, it's cause it's a good thing that I don't have the accent from where I'm from. Cause and you it's not a cute one. New York one. I haven't developed a New York one. I just got nondescript Midwest accent. Yeah. I feel like. General American. Ge- that's me. Let's that's that. I feel like that's a, a name for burlesque performer or something general american yeah that's the, that's the next, <laughs> one, next one great so where did you go to school i went to school at northern kentucky university studying studying theater arts with an emphasis in musical theater and dance fantastic now when did you start getting involved in dance and theater college Wow. <laughs> well, no, I, I've i been doing theater. I started acting when I was five and just did a lot of school plays, a lot of school productions. Um, started doing some community theater work when I was in high school. And then when I was 15, I got into the Kentucky Governor's School for the Arts summer program. Amazing. And it was kind of my first like big audition, big awakening that maybe I could follow that path as a career because... I got in as one of 30 students out of 900 who had auditioned statewide. So I was one of the 15 boys they picked that year. And I said, well, maybe I could do this. And so because of that, I ended up going to college for free because I stayed in state to use the, the credits from doing that program. They gave me a full academic scholarship to the school that I went to. Amazing. So you graduate from college. Mm Mm-hmm. Was New York the first place after? No. New York was originally the first goal, 
But my senior year of college, I auditioned for a theater conference called uh, Southeastern Theater Conference, or uh-huh. SETC. And at that audition, I booked two years of solid work straight Amazing. after college. So they, I ended school in May. So I don't want to say how many years ago, but <laughs> I ended school in May and went straight to work at a theater in Colorado, went from that to do a cruise ship contract, went from that to another theater show in West Virginia, into a children's theater tour, into another show in Wisconsin, into uh, another uh, cruise ship contract, like all straight back to back. So Booked and blessed. Booked and blessed. So I didn't actually move to New York until about eight years ago. Oh, crazy. Now, when you did come to New York, what was it like adjusting, and did you feel like you were behind people that you had graduated with? Actually, no. I When I moved to the city, I had never actually come to visit New York. I'd never seen a Broadway show. I'd never like flown this far up yeah. northeast. So when I finished my second cruise ship contract, I just booked a ticket, packed two bags, and just moved. Amazing. I had an apartment fell through i moved in with another friend who had recently kicked out one of her roommates so i moved right on in and it it was one of those situations where i landed at the airport i got in a cab took it to my new apartment got out walked up my six flights of stairs oh god unloaded my bags and said well i guess i live here now and then went down to the bodega, got a sandwich, and felt like a New Yorker. It was one of those. <laughs> so what ended up being the first Broadway show you saw? Um, oh, that's a really good question. I'm trying to think what it might have been. It didn't have that special Well, I mean, thing? just the whole experience of going to see a Broadway show is a like a, a completely different set. Yeah. Like, it's it just elevates things to a higher level. And now that I think about it, oh... The show that I saw was... <gasps> I'm excited. Ghost. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> but oh, I will say this. Did you pay for the ticket? No, I didn't. Good. Oh, God. A friend of mine that I had worked at Disney World with um, called and said, a friend of mine can't go. I have front row seats. Do you want to go with me? And I said, okay, sure. I'll go. I haven't seen I haven't seen the show. I don't know any of the music. I know the storyline. Blah, blah, blah. And then I got there and I go, well, I could do that. It's true. And so I just kept auditioning and doing all that. But we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> did you at least appreciate the magic from those? Of course. The there were some really cool moments. There were really cool the moments. The subway scene. The subway scene. The, like, any of the special effects that they were doing were incredible. Yeah. And the voices mm-hmm. were incredible. The part that really like didn't sell it for me as far as Broadway standards were going was just the story. Yeah, it was, like it was weak. the story is built. It's a movie that won awards. Like it's and they try to reinvent there it. and yeah, yeah. It was not 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 so good. So as a dancer, who are some of your inspirations? Um. So I grew up watching musicals with my mother because I think deep down she secretly wanted me to be a fabulous 
dancer, performer, everything fabulous about that. Um, and we used to watch West Side Story, Chorus Line, like the film versions of all of the, of that, plus all of these great 80s musicals that people don't know, like Fast Forward, that was uh, Sidney Poitier. Uh, I've never seen it. Div- like, directed music or musical. It's so funny. Um, and this one called Sing, about, like, a, a school that's going out of, like, the closing down in New York. And Probably that movie no one's seen, um, Xanadu? Right, right. Oh, Xanadu. <laughs> God, who's heard of that? No one. Is that about... I know Xanadu don't, but I don't know Xanadu. I know of Vanadu. Who's that? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. kidding. I love you. Um, Anyway, so, no, um, so I would say, like, Jerome Robbins and, like, of course, those choreographers, like, Michael Bennett and all of the classic choreographers that everyone, like, looks up to, Bob Fosse, Um, but really my dance inspirations, I met one of them at an audition, and it was one of those moments. I don't tend to get starstruck too easily, because... My career's kind of taken me in a place where I am around bigger named stars, which is incredible to think about. But when I met Ken Allen, I was like, you're literally the reason I started taking dance classes. Now, for those who don't know who Ken Allen is, you want to give... Ken Allen was... um, He's done a lot of Broadway. He's an incredible dancer, but I remember seeing him in the original cast of Fosse. Yep. And absolutely brilliant. Like steals the show. Used to do the Mr. Bojangles number. Mm-hmm. And watching that, I would literally just die. Because it was so beautiful to watch. The technique is impeccable. And I could see myself very much in him in the sense that I am built very similar to him. I am like my extension and my lines are very similar. And so at this audition that I met him at, we happened to be going up for the same role. Oh, crazy. And I was just kind of like, what is happening? (laughs) Because I'm dancing against my idol. And after we finished... Uh, they're still doing like other groups and smaller groups and whatever. And he's like standing over near me and he walked over to me and he was like, great extension. And I, did you fangirl? I, I didn't fangirl. I just, I kind of had one of those blank moments where I didn't know if I do like the humble, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Or like what, I didn't even know what to say. So I was just like, Okay. That's literally, like, that's all I said. Yeah. I, but now we're friends on Facebook, so Amazing. he knows. Like, Amazing. I've I've told him that, like, yeah, I mean, he's part I, of the I reason saw the why I the cast. I saw it a second time with BB and Ann Rankin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I own that DVD. Of course. And, like, between him and Rochelle Rackham, like, you people are amazing. Why do you not have giant careers? She is another person that I completely fangirled over. I, if I ever met time. her, I do think I would freak out. Oh, oh, yeah. Definitely. I had to audition for her once, and that was a time. Because, you know, she's a high-energy girl. Yeah. And 
I could not feel my neck for four days afterwards <laughs> because it was a lot of head tossing, a lot of throwing yourself around. There was a lot of partnering and I was lifting this girl that I just met that day. Oh, I mean, I remember watching, what is it? Every little step. Uh-huh. Um, and like, I got angry. That she like, didn't get cast? How did she not get cast? Exactly. I was like, wait. Like, I also get very great, angry at like, certain things in that movie. I like, I watch every little step and I get a little angry at some people who didn't get cast as well because of the way that they were just trying to change the choreography. That's all I'll say. Well, I mean, that's that's a chorus line. You can't do anything different. And I feel like a chorus line is one of those shows now where if you did update it, it's still the same story. It's still the same sentiment. Like, if you want to keep the words the same, fine. But, like, do some new choreo. Give us new costumes. It's still the same chorus line. Right. But she won't do that. No. She won't until until she passes. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Until the two the two lovely women who still go around to every <laughs> college, every high school, every theater production around the country that teach the original choreography to every student until they say no more, that show will stay the original. Yeah. Which okay. I love. It's like yeah. it's it's just a masterclass in technique is what that show is, which is great because a lot of people don't go into certain musicals or dance productions and really focus on technique. They just go about flashy moves that are going to draw in a lot of audience attention. And I feel like that's not what that show's about. Have you ever been in it? Yes, I did in college. Did you play? I played Mark. Of course you did. Of course I of did. Of course you did. I was also one of the oldest in the cast at the time, <laughs> playing the youngest in the cast. And I was like, um, It's because you had okay. baby face. I know. So you have all this training, classical mm-hmm. training in the sense. When did you enter nightlife? A little kind of different dance. Um, so <laughs> I entered nightlife in Cincinnati, Ohio, because I went to school in Northern Kentucky is... Uh, like about seven miles from Cincinnati. There's your geography lesson. Congratulations. Um, and I remember when I was in college, if I wasn't rehearsing for something or if I wasn't doing something else with the college, um, one like a group of my friends from the theater department and I would go to the drag nights in the, the clubs in uh, Cincinnati. Well... The very first one I ever went to, I don't know if it even still is open, but I just remember being so mesmerized and just so, like, completely in awe of the drag queens that were there. And I will say that the drag scene in Cincinnati versus the drag scene in New York is vastly different. Of course. Um, But you're going to find that anywhere that you go in the country, which is, like great because you get all of these different kind of regional things that are kind of like not a history lesson but they're just like they just give you a lot of variety which I love and I remember there were five performers that night I can tell you four of the five and the fifth one I'm sorry I don't remember who it is but I just remember being blown away by the the host of the night her name was jessica diamond and there was a performer that had come down from dayton which is like an hour and a half away from cincinnati 
um, and her name was Star. And just Star. Just Star. S-T-A-R-R. And she, if Coco Montrese didn't have the Janet Jackson, like, impersonation locked down in Vegas, Star would be doing it. Yeah. Because look, moves, body, everything, like, was, was that. Um, but I just remember being like, I have to see this all the time and do this all the time. So I started, like, getting more into nightlife by, um, just going, becoming friends with these queens, and just supporting them and going everywhere that they were to the point where then when I was old enough to actually be in the bars. Because, <laughs> yep, I was in the mid-18. Sorry about it. Um, but there's a little different rule in Ohio with that. Because um, as long as you got that X on your hand and you're not drinking, you can stay. And I... Once I turned 21, then I started go-go dancing because one of the queens that I was friends with was just like, I need someone to just like fill in the time when we have queens that are changing and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I'm happy to help, whatever. So I started doing that. And then I left Cincinnati and started performing all over the place and doing all these different uh, cruise ship gigs and dance jobs, other places. And then I got back into it Ironically, when I worked in Orlando uh-huh. for a mouse. A little mouse? A little mouse. Um, when I was working at a park down in mm-hmm. Orlando, I was kind of in this place where I just was tired of feeling like a child all the time. You mean that place in Orlando made you feel like a child? Well, essentially, yes. So That's I, my favorite place in the world. <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, it's a lovely place. It's beautiful. But I just needed an escape and to feel more adult. So I started go-go dancing again in Orlando. Parlayed that into starting to dance for drag queens, which then parlayed into, like, working gay days, working um, different events that were, like different pride events, different uh, things. And then I left Orlando and came back to New York. And I was back for seven hours. Justin Luke Mm -hmm. discovered me at a musical Mondays event that he used to have at XL. Oh, XL. Um, And our dear friend, Vanna Du, Mm -hmm. was in her alternate form and was singing that night and pulled me up on stage for a little contest. I had to sing a Barbara Streisand song that I was a horrible homosexual and did not know the words <gasps> for. Which was it? And I think it was People. Okay, okay. And, um, and Kyle was legitimately feeding me line by line <laughs> while I was singing it. He's like whispering in my ear. And the other boys that were on stage with him were all having to strip me at the same time of me singing. Because the whole competition or like the game of it was I was supposed to sing and not break character while the boys that were part of the show could do whatever they wanted to me to try to make me break. So they all decided that they thought I would break if they took my clothes off, which 
didn't because <laughs> they didn't know that I had go-go danced or that I do anything where clothes would come off. And so I get all the way through the song. I fl- I'm walking back to my, my table, holding all of my clothes. Justin walks up and he goes, I need to talk to you. And I go, it's like, oh God, am I getting kicked out of the bar? <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I thought this would be okay. And he said, do you dance for anyone? And I said, no, I just got back from a contract. And he was like, do you want to dance for anyone? And I was like, I, I don't know what this means. And he goes, if you're interested in go-go dancing, I have a spot open on Thursday if you want to come, blah, blah, blah. So I came, did the spot. And then two weeks later was his go-go dance manager because the one that had been there had stepped down but he noticed that I was very organized very attentive punctual all the words that showed that I was responsible and he put me to work I worked for boy party for a year and a half then started working for a lot of drag queens bars all the things yeah so then you did another form of dance in the nightlife circuit I do. You want to talk about that a little bit? I do. That's why I'm here. Um, So a few years ago, um, one of the big things that I always do and what I've always been very interested in, when I was in college, I stumbled upon a video of Broadway Bears. Mm -hmm. And I just remember being like completely in awe of the choreography, of the visuals, of this whole concept of using what you have visually or what you have talent wise or what your body looks like or anything like that to raise money for a good cause. And so I just remember seeing that video. I think it was like my sophomore year, maybe sophomore or junior year. It was like back beginning of YouTube. Again, I'm dating myself. You're (laughs) welcome. And, um, I just remember seeing this video and being like, I have to do this someday. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I have to do this someday. So when I moved to the city, I started like trying to make the right connections, trying to figure out how people got involved with the show, trying to what like, and the main connection that kind of put me involved ended up coming from a very strange situation because I was booked to work dance on a music video and the costumer and I became really good friends and he's a person that costumes for Broadway Bears a lot of years um he took last year off but I think he's supposed to be coming back for this year but his name's um DW and he and he was just like it's all volunteer based you bring in your headshot and resume if you're available and it works out, the choreographer puts you in a number, you do the number, and you're in it. You're there. And I said, well, that's easy. Great. Well, of course, he told me that year, like a week after the submission deadline. So I waited until the following year, was put in um, to dance for the 25th anniversary of Broadway Bears in the director's number. Amazing. Um, so that was no pressure whatsoever. But it was one of those experiences that, and as far as my career goes and as far as my performance life goes, is something that I will never forget because of, if you've never been to Broadway Bears, if you've never, if you don't know what Broadway Bears is, look it up. But it is 
an electric experience, not just because of like the the burlesque and strip aspects of it, but because of the energy from the crowd as well. You pack like thousands of people into a room that are all there raising money for a cause and they're all like the energy is just so light and positive that it's not it's not one of those situations like as as a dancer you are constantly in competition mode yeah because even if you're not at an audition a lot of dancers will have the mentality that the next job could be from the person that I run into on the street. So you kind of always have to be like a hunter in a way because you are always on the offense. So it's it's one of those situations where everyone can just relax, do what they do, and put on a good show and not feel like they're having to compete about it, yeah. which is wonderful. So that's only once a year. Right. And last year you were a poster boy? Uh, you did a little, some, some promo shots? I did some promo shots, but they were for... So I started a separate fundraiser that I was the poster boy for, not unintentionally. Um, just it ended up happening because of the fact that there weren't enough people from my number available sure. to do it. Because I was just going to be the producer. I was going to find the photographer. I was going to find the people to be in the shots. And then there were only three of us available that day. So I said, I guess Any, I'm Anyone doing it. we might know who was in the shot? Um, drag name or real name? Both. <laughs> well, Ian Joseph, Shelby Late. Um, was she late or early? She was early. She was like <laughs> right on. Well, she wasn't even like right on time. She was early, and she had just come from work. Like she had done. Like she yeah. was there. She had no excuses. Um, and then our poster boy was Sean. Blanking on his last name at the moment, Stevens. I was totally right to begin with. It was Sean Steven. So, yes. So, he was our poster boy for the shots and all of that. But kind of where the Broadway Bears life was taking me was I really enjoyed the concept of stripping for a cause, which is like growing up in the Bible Belt was not something I ever thought I would do. I was like, I was that little church boy. And then Satan and the sin of the city got to me. No, um, (laughs) totally not true. But I, I just remember a friend of mine who does, um, Broadway bears and is also part of the burlesque troupe that I'm part of, uh, had invited me to a show and I was like, yeah, of course I'll come and support you. And so, um, his name is Milo Pony. Mm-hmm. Milo. Um, he is part of Bad Apple Boy Lesk, which I too now am part of. But he had invited me to the show. I took my friend James. And about three acts into the show, James leaned over to me and he goes, you should be doing this. And I looked at him and I was kind of like, yeah, sure. And then I went, 
I should be doing this. And so that night, I Instagram messaged because I had no contact to the two owners of Bad Apple, um, Apollo Dioni and Don Chipotle. Um, I didn't have their Facebook information or any contact information for them. So I messaged them on Instagram and it was just like, okay, we'll see how this goes. About, well, I woke up in the morning and I had a message from them. And later that day, I met them at therapy, talked to them for about 20 minutes and suddenly was in Bad Apple Boylesque. Amazing. And so I was just like, okay, well, I guess I am a Boylesque person now. I do that. And I didn't have a name yet. Yeah, let's, let's, I want to hear the origin story. So the origin story. So for those who don't know, my name is Twinkie Boots. Um, that came from a combination of, uh, my background starting in burlesque was Broadway Bears. The director and producer founder of Broadway Bears is Jerry Mitchell. Yep. Jerry Mitchell is the choreographer director of Kinky Boots. Starting to hear it? Okay, great. Um, so when we were, when I was trying to think of names, uh, I sent a mass message to all of the other members of Bad Apple Boylesque being like, I just don't know, like, I don't really know how to name myself. And so Jackie Nova, who's another member, was like, well, what are some things that you like? What are, what are things that you're known for? Like, if you were to walk into a room, what is something you'd always have with you? And I said, well, coffee, <laughs> as I take a sip. Um, and so we played around with like coffee names and like things that just weren't sticking. And he was like, well, what else about you are like things that people notice? And I was like, well, people can never guess my age. And he was like, what, like, what do you mean? And I, and I said, well, I'm stuck in this, like everyone keeps calling me a twink and I'm like, in my 30s and so one of the other members his name is sloppy chulo um said well what about twinkie boots and i said i'm sorry what where did that come from and he was like well if your background is like broadway or like theater dance and people call you a twink what about Twinkie Boots? And I was like, it's kind of perfect because of how I started burlesque, what I do, and the visual. So first thing I did, I looked up to see if there was any performer named Twinkie Boots that was that had an Instagram uh -huh. or Twitter handle of that name. Neither were taken. So I immediately grabbed them both and set up accounts on both. I started promoting on Instagram as Twinkie Boots and suddenly just took off from there, which was great. Like, it just felt kind of fate or serendipitous, I guess. Ooh, there's, a, there's an SAT word, which apparently <laughs> I learned from my roommate who does SAT tutoring that apparently vocabulary is not a thing on the SAT anymore. What? And I said, wait, what? And he was like, yeah, that's not been a thing for like three years. And I was like... Well, there's the future of America. Great. So, I have a, like, a kind of serious question when it comes to burlesque. Mm -hmm. For you, what is it like having your persona on stage basically be objectified? For me, burlesque is not about 
like gratuitous sexual objectification. It's more, the art of burlesque is more about teasing and drawing someone in. Mm -hmm. So I don't look at my burlesque persona being objectified like I do my Instagram of myself, which is, they're essentially the same kind of pictures, the same kind of like content, but because the burlesque persona and the burlesque style is so stylized, it doesn't feel, did I just say style is stylized? Sure did. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because, let me rephrase that. So because the visual of burlesque is so stylized, that's better, um, is I don't see it as an objectification. Sure. Like, I'm allowing you to see what you see rather than you just taking it. You know what I mean? Do you feel the same way when you go-go dance? No. When I go-go dance, that's, that's another thing because in burlesque, there's not a lot of up close touching. Right. It feels like it could always, it could almost be like they're watching it on YouTube or watching it on a TV screen or something. In go-go dance, the concept is that you're hoping someone's going to tip you or give you money for what you're doing for entertaining, blah, blah, blah. Well, a lot of times there's a lot more forward advances that are put on go-go dancers than on burlesque performers. There's a lot more respect and a lot more um, just tact towards burlesque performers than towards go-go dancers, in my opinion. So you are about to take in, take part in multiple burlesque festivals. Sure am. Nerdlesque on Coney Island. Yes. New Jersey Burlesque, Philadelphia Burlesque Festival, some international festivals. Are you excited? I am. I am. <laughs> I'm a little mixed in emotions because I'm really excited that I get to do them. I'm terrified and in awe for the fact that I got into as many as I did. I've only technically been doing burlesque as a solo performer for a little over two years. And when I submitted for my first festival last year, I was completely shocked when I got in um, because I was so new and because I was work at the time doing a show with other performers that had applied and didn't get in. Sure. That were more seasoned, had done things that... And I was just like, I... I don't know what they saw in me that they didn't see in you. I'm sorry that you didn't get in, but I'm very excited. Well, this year, I kind of did like, I keep using this analogy because it works for me. When I applied for college, I had this mentality that I wasn't getting in anywhere. So I applied everywhere. Everywhere. Like I applied to, I had a job in high school specifically just to pay for my college application fees. Damn. Um... But not because, like, I was applying to, like... I applied to nine schools. Well, I applied to nine festivals. I am waiting to hear back on three of them. Amazing. The other six I got into. And I'm like... You're a star. <laughs> okay. But on top of that, now I'm like, oh, now I've got to figure out how I'm getting to all of them. Because sure. with the three international ones, 
the great thing with festivals and with competitions and things like that is that they do give you a little like kind of performance fee for being there. That's good. However, you got to get there. Right. So three of the international ones, like I'm going to Toronto in July, I'm going to Vienna in May, and I'm going to London in September. Well, international flights ain't cheap. So I'm like, Got that Delta Sky Miles. Right. I'm like, I got to get all those extra things and beg all the people that love me. Get those fundraisers starting. Right. I need to. Now, what can we expect at these shows? Are you going to do the same number or are you going to variety? Well, the thing with festivals is that you do have to submit a number that Mm -hmm. you have video uh, footage of. Um, so unfortunately when I was submitting, I only had video footage of about three of my numbers that I do. So for some of them, I have varied it up and like a few of them are very specific, Mm -hmm. like Nerdlesque, which is coming up this weekend, um, is all like pop culture things. So it's like TV shows, movies, comic books, uh, different pop culture references. And so I only had video of one of my numbers that would fit for that. So I submitted it, got it in and they were really excited because they were like, that's not a a topic that we have this year. So great. We can put it in. So it's my matrix number where I'm Neo from the matrix. Of course. Cause you know, clearly I'm Trinity. No. Um, but it's, it's a fun number. I use music that wouldn't characteristically be associated with The Matrix, sure. so it's fun. Now, a lot of people know that you are a choreographer. Correct. You do that a little bit. What is your process when you choreograph? Um, it really depends on the project. If I'm choreographing, because I choreograph a lot for drag queens, the first thing I need to know, like, what their performance style is. Right. If they're a queen that's not really... like known for hitting a step or like doing a lot of dance I need to know that prior so that I can give them movement that's not gonna look silly on them but also is still gonna sell whatever they're doing and so a lot of times I will either go to their show or see them perform somewhere first just so I get a sense of how they perform but then I, for a lot of them, it's just me playing around in my living room in my heels because yes, I am one of those choreographers that if I'm going to require you to do something in heels, I have to make sure that it can be done. Right. So I will do it in heels too. And I do it in rehearsal when I teach it. And a lot of people are completely like perplexed and confused by that. Like, I don't understand. I like, I don't understand why other choreographers don't do that. Is that if you're going to expect someone to do the number in a specific type of footwear or a specific type of costume, you have to know that the movement can Absolutely. be done in it. So, yes, I don't get in full geesh and, like, <laughs> paint my face and pad and wear tight, Not like, tech skirts. Pads. It's true. But I grew up <laughs> in, like, my my original drag life, like, knowing about it. They pad. It's true. In Cincinnati, they pad. Do you find yourself choreographing like random places if you hear a song that you like or inspires you? Oh yeah. So we can just see like on the subway like dancing and yeah. That's I've done a full tap break 
on the platform at 57th <laughs> and 7th to... listening to Bang Bang. Of course. Um, I, like, wanted to choreograph this whole, like, school, like, private school number. Like, full-on private school, like, Britney Spears, Baby One More Time number to Bang Bang, Jesse J, Ariana Grande, Nicki Minaj. And I wanted the teacher to be Nicki Minaj and full-on tap break during her rap. I had it all planned out, had it ready, and I was just like, where am I going to do this? <laughs> Who's well, going to do this? Who asked Nidra and Stephanie's child? Right. Nidra's, Nidra and Stephanie's child doing the tap break. It'll be great. Yeah. So, speaking of drag queens... I you were going to say, speaking of Stephanie's child, I was going to go, great. <laughs> well, no. So... Not many people know, but you and I have something in common. One of our favorite shows is Survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, and in honor of Survivor, we're going to play a little game. Okay. It's called Survivor Drag Queen. I'm going to give you a bunch of drag queens of both New York City and Drag Race fame that you've worked with. Okay. And you're going to tell me how they're going to do on the show. If they'll, they'll how be, they would... Yeah. How, okay. Like, if they're going to be, like, early boots, make like make pre- the merge, jury, what, what, if they're going to win however you want to do it and if you want to this will be just like for us because no one else will get it but feel feel like you want to compare them marty craft if you're listening you'll get it (laughs) if if you want to compare them to a previous player go for it okay so we are going to start off with miss fame miss fame um I feel like Miss Fame would be very similar in style of play to Ty. Okay. Because she loves chickens. She loves her chickens. She wouldn't want to hurt it. So if they were given a chicken on day one, it would be her pet and best friend. And she would confide everything in it. Like, all of her confessionals would literally be her holding this chicken. <laughs> and just, she would have named it, all of it. Like, it would have gotten a home. Like and she Sia probably would, Sia would, would have given her money. Sia would have given her money. Um, as far as gameplay, Fame's not really a backstabbing type person. So I feel like she would get blindsided at some point because people would just, she's too likable yeah. to really, co- I think she would kind of float somewhere in the middle, Make maybe make it, like, right on the cusp of either pre-merge, merge, I don't think she would be jury. Wow, okay. Only because people would see it, because she's so likable, at being a threat. Yeah. All right. Okay, I see that. Next up is Sherry Vine. (laughs) Sherry. Okay, so Sherry... I'm trying to think of somebody to equate her to. But Sherry is... I feel like Sherry would be so good at puzzles. I don't know. I don't even know if she does puzzles. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she likes crosswords, Sudoku, whatever. I just feel like Sherry is one of those people that has this air that people are drawn to. She would form an alliance on the first day and she's super loyal. I feel like she would stick to it. Yeah. So maybe she's like a, uh, like season one going all the way back and she's part of that original fight like four alliance i don't think she's one of those four no, chance no but she would have that like strong maybe she's kind of like 
Maybe she Kellen, in that mm-hmm. sense, okay. like she's so strong with her original tribe and original well, I was people. Say uh, Gretchen, going back to that original yes. season. Yes, that she's so loyal to who she starts with that she it would potentially ruin her own game. But I do see her. I think she would make it to the jury at Amazing. least. Yeah, I think so too. At least. Next up is Fifi Dubois. Fifi Dubois. Beefy is, okay, it's weird with, like, the way that Survivor's gone over the past few years, or especially, like, since the beginning, it used to be that the people who were super strong at challenges were the ones that definitely made the merge, definitely made the jury, like, they earned their place. Now it's to the point where if you're super strong and you stand out too much in the beginning, they eliminate you. Yep. And so that's where the, like, the difficulty comes. Fifi, I feel like, would be super athletic, super strong in the challenges. But the, like, the mental game might trip her up. Because she's so candid. She's so open about how she feels, which I love that about her. That that's where it would be... If it was, like, one of the earlier seasons, I would say definitely she's making it to the jury at least, if not making it all the way to the end because of her athletic ability and yeah. because of um, a lot of time, or it used to be in, like, other seasons, if someone's candid, open, ch- or Courtney, China. Mm-hmm. Courtney Yates. Would totally, like... Okay, I could see I could that, see that would be... Fifi's like social game yeah. would be Courtney, but she would be in my head. She's like an Ethan from okay. Africa, like player as far as athletic ability yeah. and like challenge ability. So, and if you think about it, one, one, one was runner up. So That's I true. feel like she would make she it would to well. the end. Next we have Macy Sumcox. Macy Sumcox. Oh, Macy. Um, God, you're like hitting me with all of the the ones that I love. So Macy, 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 I think her social game would kind of trip her up. Again, like kind of like Fifi, she's very candid, very open with how she feels. And she'll just let you know, like if she's not feeling it that day, she will let you know. So I think she would have, her difficulty would be not just like completely opening up to everyone and letting everyone know what's going on. So trying to keep a secret or blindside anyone like the newer seasons are really big on. I don't know that she'd be able to really do it um, because she's very honest, very candid with how she feels. So as much as I love her, I think that would become a liability for her tribe and she would not make it very long because they would notice how candid she is and how open she is with everyone. Um, Which I kind of thought, not to go away from the drag queens right now, kind of thought Angela was going to be that way. Sure, sure. Because she was having her, her moments of just like letting everyone know everything. But... Maybe she's turning around. We'll see. Um, 
So in case you didn't know, uh, people who don't watch Survivor, we are currently on season 36. That's right. 36. 18 years of Survivor. And that's why this show still exists, because it's so good. Oh, God. I'm old. Um, (laughs) Well, so Macy, not so good in the game. I feel like pre-merge, she would go out. Well, next up, I have Carmen Side Me. Carmen Side Me. Okay. A lot of people don't know this. Carmen is actually really good at puzzles. Oh, is she? She, like, she loves games. She loves video games. She is obsessed with her Nintendo Switch. I feel <laughs> like she would do really well. Um, I definitely think she would make the jury. Depending on the types of challenges, like, I, I would see her making top seven. Um, depending on her alliance and depending the type of challenges that she has post-jury or post-merge, I could see her making it really far because she gets the game. She gets the, like, having to kind of keep your options open and be able to play all of the angles. And I think that she would be very intuitive and be able to follow that. See, what's interesting, I was going to be like, you know who she's going to play like? She's going to be Zane from Philippines. Okay. Come up with a crazy ass plan day one and get voted out because her plan's so dumb. <laughs> see, I don't, I don't see that. I feel like she would. I feel like she would do really well yeah. on like on the a show like Survivor because she would be underestimated at first. If she showed up in drag, <laughs> which we've actually talked about this at work, because um, she used to work with or she used to work at the bar that I work at, but now she's taken on her new big girl job, um, and we used to talk about going on reality shows and she's like, yeah, if I ever went on like a survivor or amazing race, a big brother or whatever, I would show up in drag. I would be yeah. there in drag. She's like, because a, if I'm on survivor and I'm on an Island and it gets cold, I got all that padding. True. Cause she's like, I'm one of those Queens of pads. So I would have all that <laughs> extra insulation and all them tights. I would show up in whatever color scheme they wanted us to be in, but I would be in drag. And I was like, I would die. She's like, I'd have my boy clothes on underneath. Of course. So that I could have all the looks. And I'm like, I'd die. All right. Next up, we have Golden Delicious. Golden Delicious. Okay. Ooh. Um, Okay. So Golden. Golden's game could go one of two ways. I feel like she's either going super far or going out super early. Mm-hmm. Because... She is such a positive and kind person that the pessimistic players or the negative players are going to look at and be like, oh, I can't beat her Yeah. later on and get rid of her. Or she's going to pull like a Richard Elizabeth from Australia and be so likable that the other alliance is going to just vote themselves out to keep them around because mm-hmm. they're nice and doing stuff around camp. Golden's one of those people that just helps everyone she's with. And that could work to her advantage if she's around a lot of players that are playing old school and want a lot of help around camp, a lot of help and challenges, things like that. And she'll do well because she's tall. Yes. But I want to go back for one second, Golden, yes. if you're listening. Chad just compared you to Elizabeth Hasselbeck. No, no, no. Not, <laughs> no, no, no. Not politically. <laughs> I compared you 
to the way that she was portrayed. Elizabeth on... Falarski. Yeah. Um, yes, it was Falarski. Falarski? Yeah, it's her maiden name. She was one of my big first crushes. Falarski? Yeah, oh, I loved her. I remember when Survivor used to do... Sorry, to completely <laughs> derail. But I remember when Survivor used to follow a very specific casting process. Oh, God, yes. Because season one, season two, if you compare those two casts... Same cast. They are the same cast. Mm-hmm. It's true. Colleen, Elizabeth, same person. It's true. But I love them both. They're both gorgeous, beautiful people. Yeah. Next up, we have Alexis we Michelle. Yeah, we finished so. Golden. Okay, great. Alexis Michelle is next. Alexis. Um, Alexis is another one that I feel like would make it at like to the jury. I feel like her social game, she would, she wouldn't take any shit from anyone. No, and if you backstab her, she is going to be pissed. If you backstab her, she'd be the one that would be able to rally everyone else against you. I feel like, I almost say, I feel like she went on the wrong show. I feel like if she had gone on Survivor, I honestly think she could have won. Well, can we make this happen? I know, I'm like... Hey, Alexis, if you're listening, can you apply for Survivor? <laughs> yeah, she, I think she would do well. I think you, I think she could win, yeah. actually. She's got, she's got a great social game. She's smart. And I feel like, I don't know if she can swim, but she, I feel like she could do good in these challenges, like yeah. in the challenges. I feel like if she does get blindsided, though, she would be a bit of jury. Um, I don't know. Because it would depend on how close... If she was blindsided, like, top four, yes. Bitter jury to whoever did the the blindside or whoever orchestrated the blindside. If it was, like, earlier on in the jury, she'd have some time to marinate with it. I think then she would appreciate the gameplay more and... I don't think it would be... I think it would come down to, like, whatever the answer to her question yeah. would be. Next, we have Bibi Zahara Benet. Okay. Um, huh. Bibi. <laughs> I had, like, right before you said her name, I was, like, thinking of people that would be... Like, I was trying to think of, like, past Survivor contestants to, like, equate people to. Um, and I think BB would be, a like, a Kelly Wigglesworth. Yeah. I think she's one of those people that she would be kind of underestimated at first, but then would just slay challenge after challenge like would pull out all of these amazing like physical skills that people didn't know that she could do yeah and she's very resilient so i feel like if it were like stamina challenge after stamina challenge after stamina challenge she would have this completely zen mentality and not move true like, would be an unwavering tree in the wind. Would literally not move. Yeah. And I feel like she would do... She would get to the... I think she would get to the top. But I, I think the only thing that's going to knock her up 
is if everyone asks who she voted for and she doesn't say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last grouping. I'm going to give you a, a pregame alliance. But they came Pre- in as an alliance. Okay. Oh. Um, they do. Um, it's the Femme Fatale Alliance. Okay. Uh, comprised of Vanadu, Poppy, and Bijou. Okay. So, we're saying, okay, rewind. Is this alliance coming in in a, like, they've all been on the same tribe and coming into the Like, they, they met on, on day one. And they, they met on day one. And they've done pretty well. Like They've ha- done well. Okay. Um, this might cause a fight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hope not. Um, so... If they are able to get to the merge, they've come into the merge, the three of them are still intact. Bijou, I think, would find whatever attractive male is post-merge, pull him in to be part of a four-part alliance with them. So that that way they have an extra target in case there's not someone to be eliminated other than them. So that the three of them could then turn on this new unsuspecting guy. Um, We'll just call him Kenneth. Um, Love you. So they would bring in this other person. Then I feel like... If it came down to a situation where they'd already gotten rid of the other person and there were the only the three of them were able to be voted out, I feel like the other people would turn on Vanna, whoever the other like the other um, voting person would want Vanna gone Mm -hmm. because I think Vanna would have the strongest personality as far as, like, on the TV, like, on the game itself. Not that Bijou and Poppy don't have strong personalities. I think that Vanna's would just come across as... I don't want to... Like, aggressive isn't the word. It's more... As far as gameplay is concerned, the other person would be more threatened, I feel like, by Vanna than the other two. Yeah. Which is stupid to be... It's it's stupid to underestimate any of the three of them to begin with, but it's... I feel like it's stupid to underestimate Poppy and Bijou and think that they're not threatening in gameplay. So if, let's say, everything works out perfectly... And the three of them all make it to the final... the final three. Who wins? Depends on what feathers they ruffled in the jury. Um, But the way that... Okay. Since they all competed on the same season of Ultimate Drag, I would say the one that would end up winning... It really depends... I... This is hard. Based on all the survivor knowledge you have. Based on all the survivor knowledge I have, it would really depend on what season they were competing on. Because there have been seasons where 
the most likable one wins, the one who's been the most aggressive in playing the game the hardest wins, the right, here, one here, that... Let's play with this. Let's say their jury is the rest of the cast of season four of Ultimate Drag Pageant. So it's Hariola and Dee Dee and Cicatrix, Bella, um, Miss Felicia. Um, so if those five were getting to vote, not to put words in their mouth. And who <laughs> this is Hypothetical who? Survivor. Hypothetical Survivor, I think... This is a really hard one. Right? Because they all are, have, like, a strong case. They all have a strong case for, like, the way that they would play. But they all, like, there's an... I could see all five of those other jury members voting for any one of them. I think it would all come down to the types of challenges they had getting in. Like, if it was a lot of mental challenges to get them there... Um. If it was a lot of mental challenges to get them there and it was a lot of puzzles and a lot of things like that, I think... I feel like Cicatrix... No, I don't know why I'm like picking out and picking <laughs> which so one, fun. which one specifically would do it, or like who would vote for which queen. I feel like I feel like Hariola would go with Bijou. I don't know why. I just feel like okay. Hariola would so go with Bijou. Vote, Bijou. I think Cicatrix would go Vanna. Okay, one vote Bijou, one vote bit Vanna because of. I feel like Cicatrix is like another fangirl like us. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I don't know if she watched Survivor at all, but I feel like she's another person that would go with gameplay. And I feel like Vanna would be an aggressive game player um, for this for that situation. Um, Let's go with Dee Dee next. Who's her vote falling on? Dee Dee? Sweetie. Um... come back to Dee Dee because I think she's the decide like I think okay, she's okay. the deciding vote so then let's go Bella I think Bella goes Poppy okay so it's a three-way tie right now so then we have Miss Felicia who is a Survivor fan oh okay that changes things because I didn't I oh yeah we talk about because Bella might be a Survivor fan too and I don't know that but <laughs> um if that's the case I think Felicia goes Vanna. Okay, which leaves Dee Dee. Which leaves Dee Dee, and I think Dee Dee would go... I think Dee Dee would do the diplomatic and go based on who was winning the most challenges. Um, and in my head, I feel like Vanna would be... I think Vanna would take her vote well there you go vanadu just won survivor femme fatale and now she's screaming <laughs> saying she's i won something <laughs> Bitch, oh, you. God. oh that's funny i heard you got this <laughs> so i don't know why that's my vanna voice because it's not even close, <laughs> not even close. <laughs> uh sure 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 okay yep so you're perfect you're beautiful you look like linda evangelista you're a model because you actually are one how did you get into <laughs> modeling that was 
<laughs> a complete by accident. Um, so I grew up in Kentucky. We all know this. Um, well, we do now after listening to this. But um, in college, I kind of felt like this is like this such a cliche. Like every model says this at some point. It's like, I felt like the ugly duckling, blah, blah, blah. Like, I went through my ugly phase or whatever. But I honestly feel like my college experience, I was very overlooked as far as, like, physical appearance concerned, Mm -hmm. was concerned. Um, Because of the fact that I entered freshman year, I was six foot one, weighed, like, so little that if... I, a strong wind came, I was going to get knocked over, um, and had this baby face that I didn't look my age. People just thought I was jailbait constantly and just, I don't know if they were overlooking me or just not like approaching me because they weren't sure or what was happening, but I felt very overlooked. And then when I started dance, then I suddenly put on 30 pounds of muscle and, I felt more confident in myself and I felt better about myself. Um, And I don't know if that kind of started to turn things around, but then people started to like notice me a little bit more. And it's not about like being noticed. It's like, that sounds completely heinous. But um, when I was a senior, one of my classmates was like really interested in photography um, wanted to, like, get into dabbling with, like, taking hot shots because she was like, it'd be a great way for me to, like, make money, but I need someone to, t- like, to play- practice on. And we were both obsessed with America's Next Top Model. Mm-hmm. So she was like, what if we, like, made up some random, like, concepts for, like, that would be, like, used for America's Next Top Model and we just try to create them. That's fine. She's like, I'm living in this house in Covington, Kentucky, which is, again, near Cincinnati. Geography lesson. Um, and it just has all these, like, cool spaces and cool lighting and blah, blah, blah. Like, we can create all this stuff. So her name's Hannah Doughty. She lives in the city now. Love you. Um, but she just asked me to test, like, some photography. Like, she wanted to try out some photography stuff. So I did that for her. And then I happened to put up those pictures on my MySpace Oh, God, you're dating yourself again. I don't care. I've already said I'm in my 30s. It's fine. Um, And someone that I, like, that followed me, or first friends followed me, was friends with me, because that was back before you followed people. You had to know them. Um, Or you had to, like, mutually be following each other. Excuse me. That sounds awkward. (laughs) Um, But um, I was doing a show in Colorado. One of my MySpace friends in Colorado reached out to me about doing more shots. I did. And so then it just kind of became like this. I just, just kept being in front of a camera. Um, it wasn't really until I got to Orlando and was working for the mouse that I really started doing anything modeling wise. Um, I went on an open call for an agency cause I was trying to just like, start doing commercial work or doing anything like in Orlando us like away from the park that would make me extra money. And I went to this open call, did one test, like walked in, they told me to bring a bunch of different looks and blah, blah, blah. 
I did one shot. Like, they set up the lights. We're doing a test just to make sure the light was right. It went off. They signed me on the spot. Amazing. And I was like, what? Is that real? Like, what just happened? So, signed with an agency. Started doing work for them. Did a lot of um, promotional. Like, they, they... did a lot of commercial work, but then they also did like a lot of promotional modeling stuff. So I was doing a lot of promotional work, worked at Gay Days, worked at Pride, the Orlando Pride Press, Pride Fest, like all of these different um, Central Florida gigs. And then when I just made the decision that I was moving back to New York from there, they were like, well, we'll continue to be your agent if you want to just keep our name associated with you. Like, if you go to an audition and they need an agency, you can use us and we'll continue to back you um, for as long as you are wanting to stay with us. So I stayed with them for a little over a year after I came up to the city. But then um, that agency folded in Orlando. uh, And so I've just been freelance ever since as far as, like, my modeling career is. Uh, But I've gotten to do some, like, pretty cool things yeah like at one point i was the 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 face and body for an underwear company in singapore (laughs) that's cool random but it happened so you're famous in singapore yeah apparently i was like i don't know if if they still use that image or not but so for the kid for the kids who want to have some tips how do you maintain your body (laughs) i am the worst (laughs) so okay so here's how you maintain your body in New York if you don't have a gym membership because I don't currently have a gym membership. You dance as much as possible. You live in a fifth floor walk up <laughs> and make multiple trips up and down the stairs on purpose. I like or I used or I still do this a lot of times like if I'm sitting on the couch and I feel like I'm having a really lazy day if I have to get up to use the restroom or get up to like get a drink or get up and have a snack or get up or whatever. If I'm getting up for any reason, I do 20 push-ups, 20 to 30 crunches, plank for 30 seconds, and then get whatever I got up to do. And so that way I'm like still being active yeah. without having a gym membership, but it's like the bare minimum, I feel like, because it's just like, well, okay, I'm going to get up. So I might as well do these. Okay. So your Instagram is kind of famous because you do something called the glute salute. Uh, yeah. Do you post every submission you get? Yes, I absolutely do. Um, part of the reason like I do it is... Because of the following that I have, I started with Instagram almost at its inception. Mm -hmm. Um, I downloaded the app on one of my trips up to New York for an audition after I had moved away and gone to Orlando. I flew back up to do a callback for the National Tour of Cats. Didn't get it, but it's okay. I came back for the callback. Um, (laughs) And when I was coming back up, I downloaded the app because I was just like looking for different ways of expressing myself or like feeling involved in social media, but not just constantly posting every thought that I had on Instagram or not Instagram on Facebook. And I didn't have a Twitter because 
I didn't feel like that was the right time for me to have a Twitter. This is a really convoluted reason. But until I joined the Screen Actors Guild, I didn't feel like there was a reason that I needed an Instagram. Or not an Instagram. I keep saying that. I didn't need a Twitter. Because I wanted my Twitter handle. This is so stupid. I wanted to be the, like, official. I wanted to be the Chad Zap. So... I waited until I, or I wanted whatever my like union professional career name mm-hmm. was going to be. I wanted that to be my Twitter handle. So I made sure that when I joined the union, I could be that. So it's like, yeah, I didn't get a Twitter until I joined the Screen Actors Guild and was <laughs> the official Twitter handle. But I feel like I had dived. Like, I went away from the question Well, it's just, just about the glute salute. Like, glute salute. So, I do glute salute um, mainly because it used to be a big thing, like, shout out for shout out, like, all this stuff. And you would post, before the stories came along, it was, like, posting a picture of this person that you knew on Instagram, or maybe you knew them in real life, um, that would just, so hopefully drum up more followers for that person. And it was a way of like spreading the network and spreading the net out a little further to find more people that would possibly be interested in the content that you were putting out. Because like when I first started on Instagram, if you go back real early in what my Instagram was, it was like pictures of posters that I thought were really interesting or like whatever I did with my hair that day or like me walking my roommate in Orlando's dog or things like that. It wasn't what it is now. Right. So... My Instagram, like, built very slowly for a long time. And then I worked on a, to- a television show called Ink Master. Uh-huh. Where I was entirely naked. Pause for the fact that people are like, what? Let me, where's that episode? What episode was it? I don't remember the season. I think it might be five. Someone will find it. It's a season where I was body painted in UV blacklight um, body paint. But the whole challenge was the artists had to make the human form disappear so that when the lights went off and they turned on a black light, you wouldn't necessarily know that what was in front of you was a human or like Mm -hmm. a person that you would just see whatever image they painted. And the people who were my artists won the challenge. Well, I... I'm assuming that in the credits they posted my name because overnight my following on Instagram doubled. Crazy. Over one episode. Like I went from, I had just at 7,000 followers at that point to 13,000 overnight. Damn. And I thought it was like a total fluke. I thought I had woken up and I was like, oh, there's some kind of glitch. And I just like, whatever. Um, That doesn't exist. (laughs) Um, And I just was like completely, I couldn't believe it. Well, then they aired the episode again the following week. Another 7,000 people suddenly followed me. And so I was up to 20,000. And I just was like, what is happening? But you're not verified. I am not verified. 
But apparently that's like a whole other situation that it's like just because I'm part of the union and I have my career name and blah, blah, blah. I'm not verified, but it's fine. Um, but the, the, the way that my fan base, I say this with air quotes that you can't see, grew was literally Ink Master and going on tour with Miss Fame. Um, anytime Miss Fame would post a single, like, rehearsal photo or anything that I was tagged in, immediately another 100, 200 followers like would I said, just, trap. just pop in on it. And that was, like, and it wasn't even, like, a rehearsal photo where I'm, like, naked or, like, not wearing a lot of clothing. It would be, like, I'm wearing her shirt. And they would say, oh, that person follows her or she she follows him and would follow me. And so there's this, which I'm very appreciative of, is the fact that a lot of loyal people to other people will follow people that they're loyal to. Mm-hmm. If that made sense. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if I'm speaking English at this point, but <laughs> sure am. So the glute salute came about. I can't take full credit for it because there's an Instagram person that I follow that used the hashtag glute salute a lot. Um, whenever he would post his name is tank Joey. If you don't know him, look him up. His another thirst trap that has half of his body tattooed. Okay. It's gorge. Like the tattoo itself is gorgeous. Not alone that he's also gorgeous, but like it just, he posts a lot of, Things that would merit a glute salute. So when the stories became a thing on Instagram and you could post these like temporary images and it wouldn't be part of your like feed all the Mm -hmm. time, it became a little more accessible in a sense. Like when you can tag someone and you can bring them up and bring them to the forefront and it's something that you see like instantly when you come on, which... I always see when you see it. Um, But it was a way for me to shout out people that wasn't just like taking away from the content. Right. Because I'm one of those people that I think it's excessive on Instagram if you're posting like your lunch and then your selfie on the way to the subway and then hashtag subway life. And then you're like literally posting your entire day. I like to keep it concise and do one, maybe two, if a life changing thing happens to me that night. Yeah. I tend to post in the morning or early afternoon, usually when I'm waking up and then let it be with the glute salute and with the stories, it's something you can do all day long and not feel like it's, you're constantly posting because a you're not posting about yourself you're posting about someone else so i did the glute salute i started it like i did it a couple months ago and the amount of stuff the first one got a little (laughs) much because what essentially it is if you haven't gathered glute salute butt pictures yep easy Easy peasy. That's all it is. Um, But (laughs) 
I, in the first one that I did, I didn't use the phrasing that I do now, which is send me an Instagram appropriate picture <laughs> that I can post. Oh no. And when I say that I've, that there are ones that I, like, I always post everything, I post it. I sure did. It was taken down. Like, someone reported it, saw it, and reported oh it. Oh, God. But legitimately, someone sent me a picture. I didn't doctor it. And... Uh, how can I say this in a way that's not, like, just too much? Um... I could see their religion. Uh-huh. Okay. And that's a that's a way we say it in the South for if you can tell if someone is circumcised or not. Um, I could see their religion and I could see their where the sun don't shine. As Tiffany Haddish uses. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. In um Girls Trip. If you haven't seen it, it's so funny. Um but yeah, posted it, was taken down almost immediately, almost got my um, account locked. Oh, God. Like, I got an email being like, this is too, like, too much. Um, you're on, like, I was put on, like, Instagram probation. Oh, boy. But it wasn't like, it was just that I could only post to my story, which I'd already posted my picture for the day, so it was great. Um but yeah, so I had to like then rephrase it to send me something that is Instagram appropriate. And Vanna, since we've talked about her a few times, she's happy, um, sent me a message and was just like, do these people literally just send you all of these pictures? And I said, well, yeah, if they want to get a shout out, they send it. She's like, you are a legend. <laughs> it's true. It is so true. And I'm like, I don't know if I'd go with legend. No, but you're a legend. I'm like, I'm just paying it forward. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yes. I mean, I can't say I don't get enjoyment from of some of the pictures that are sent to me. I, yeah. But it's just like, I, I'm known my Instagram. You've mentioned it at the beginning. It's a thirst trap. It is known for... Lots and lots of pictures of what is behind me. And so I felt like Glute Salute was very on brand. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, we're going to move into the Pop 5 Rapid Fire. Oh. Where I'm going to give you five pop culture things. And you're going to say the first thing that comes to mind. Either word, phrase, story, whatever you want to say. Oh, God. Number one is the royal baby. <laughs> they had another baby. Did you not know? I didn't know it was born. Yeah, it was born, I think, yesterday. Mazel tov. Great. Is that the right use of that? Yes. Okay, great. Congrats. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, two. I... I'm not Jewish, I'm sorry. <laughs> Number two is American Idol. Why is it back? Why not? I just... I felt... Big. <laughs> Don't. Is that another pop culture reference? No, no. Oh, okay. I was no, going to be like, that was, wig, snatch. Well, that was Katy Perry. I know. I know it is. But I, I'm i a fan of Katy Perry. Mm -hmm. I will I will say that. Yes. Her live action documentary, did not expect to cry as much as I did. 3D Tears. 
literally <laughs> sat in a 3d version of it in tears yeah and i gained so much respect for her as an artist off of that movie i thought her music was catchy i thought it was good but i didn't i wasn't like a full-on fan until that movie but i don't feel like this is the like the platform that she needs to be on right now that's fair um I personally would have loved what the original concept for the American Idol reboot was going to be, which was, it was supposed to be, what I had heard, what I have had heard through the grapevine was the three judges were going to be Kelly Clarkson, Jennifer Hudson, and Adam Lambert. Yep. Three of the biggest names who have had successful careers out of the original American Idol concept. Yep. I thought that would have been a much more engaging show to follow because it would have been more genuine because the three of them had lived it. Absolutely. And I feel like American Idol missed the mark completely because then they lost those two judges to The Voice. Exactly. And that was part of it. I mean, The the Voice will not say that they stole them, but it was basically the contract was there and they couldn't turn it down because it was a guaranteed hit for them. Right. Oh, well. Well, I'm going to use this platform and say, if you're not watching it, that's fine. You don't need to watch it. But is the support Ada Vox. I was going to say, is the con- she contestant... She just made the top ten. Okay. She was um, in Jeopardy last night, um, where the judges had to save her. After she sang, the judges were like, we're making an executive decision. Go in the safe zone. We're not even considering anything else. She's brilliant, and I think it's important for America. She's still competing in drag, it. right? Correct. Okay. Um, but I think it is very telling that the two LGBTQ members of the cast were both in Jeopardy and not pushed right. along. But that's America. I will agree. And I was having flashbacks to when Adam Lambert lost, but that's that's a whole other issue. Is that what your status... Was it you that oh, no, had the status well, yes, about status. the hashtag justice for J-Hud? Yeah, but that was from season three when she was voted out. Right. John Stevens, the little red-headed bitch, um, the 16-year-old, was safe during Elton John week and uh, J-Hud was eliminated. And I was probably 15 at the time, and I threw a temper tantrum in the basement of my parents' home. Um, do you know the real gag of that? What? It used to be, well, when you voted, because you used to have to call in, like, dial it yes. in. You got no texts. You got mm-hmm. no online voting. You got nothing. You had to dial Medical. from a phone, type in the number, or redial that number to get in a vote. Well, my mother and I were huge fans of Jennifer Hudson, still are, and tried to vote for her that night. When you voted for her, it said, thank you for voting for Jasmine Trias. <gasps> Oh, Both times that we got through. We tried oh. all night, only got through <laughs> she made for the top her. Three. And she was safe that week. She was. Um, so it was like, it. the whole thing felt very much like rigged in a way oh, against her. Which, same thing happened. Not same thing, but I felt it was very rigged. Again, a few seasons later... For Jordan Sparks. Uh-huh. For the episode where she sh- would have been eliminated. Uh-huh. They decided not to eliminate anyone that night. Yep. Because of America. Yep. And then suddenly, she was safe every week after that. Mm-hmm. Well, then they introduced the judges' save, and oh, it was... Right. I loved American Idol. 
Um, but oh, I was obsessed with the yeah, first season. The, my first concert that I ever went to was the top ten of American Idol season one. Ew. No oh my God. joke. And it was one of the best shows I've ever been yeah. to. But I would have not ranked them in the way that they were eliminated. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Tamara Grace should have won the show. Um, If we're going on pure talent. I was, I was Kelly from day one. I would have had the top two definitely should have been Tamira and Absolutely, Kelly though. That, that was it. Um, but seeing Nikki McKibben perform <laughs> live. These are names you haven't said in right, years. But I got them all. Um, seeing Nikki McKibben perform, I was like, I can understand how she made it. Yeah. As far as she did, she has a captivate. Like, I love that this interview has gone to this, but. <laughs> She has this captivating quality when she performs that you just believe everything that she says. Yeah. Like, you believe anything that she sings about. She could be singing about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> and you're like, you've lived it. Yeah. You've lived it. Well, number three is <laughs> Westworld. Oh, God, I'm a horrible person. I don't watch it. That's okay. It's okay. I, I just watched the season two premiere last night, and I was like... I don't remember anything. Condensed milk. Great. That's my word. Great. Right? That's a thing, right? I think so. I don't remember. I don't know. Canned milk? Isn't that a thing? Maybe. Isn't that how she remembers? I think so. I don't know. I don't know. Ask Jackie Cox. She did a whole number about it. I know, and I worked on her. (laughs) Number four (laughs) is Sean Hannity. Apparently, I am awful at pop culture. I have no idea who that is. Sean Hannity is a reporter for Fox News who was the mysterious third client for Michael Cohn. Trump's lawyer. With the whole Stormy Daniels shit. Okay. Ignorance is bliss. (laughs) I will call the entire time that he's been in office ignorance is bliss. Because I... So my grandmother gave me, like, two really important pieces of advice when I was a kid. It's when you meet someone, you don't talk about politics, and you don't talk about religion. Yep. And so I have carried that through in my entire life that I don't question people's politics. If someone is dead set on knowing my political stance on something, I will give them a diplomatic version of it i'm not gonna say like far left far right far whatever like completely in the middle i i don't vote vote based on party whatsoever i vote based on what i think is best for the community in that time Mm -hmm. whatever wherever i'm living and wherever i'm voting i vote based on who i think will make the positive change or make the right decisions for that community Um, which I think is in a sense, like going with what politics is built to be like, you want to better, or you're, you want to better the community. You want to have leaders that are going to strengthen, Mm -hmm. not belittle people or knock them down. And I know that there are a lot of, like, I know that, especially in New York, there are a lot of queens that are very political. They're very vocal about their politics, which is, I feel, needs to be out there. 
I am just not the voice that that's does fair. that, which is the thing. Like, that's why you have your Marty Gold Cummings. That is why you have your Gloria Swan song. That's why you have your intelligent, eloquently spoken drag queens to be that voice and be that rallying cry. It's true. I will be there marching alongside with you, but I'm not going to be the person that's like pushing my political views on anyone. Well, I hope you have a view on number five. Oh God, I hope so too. Ariana Grande is no tears left to cry. God, I am the worst gay. I haven't heard <gasps> you it You haven't yet. heard it? Maybe we should play it right now. Oh my God, we're going to play it. But oh, it's, it's a bop. It's a little bit of a bop and I'm not an Ari fan. Oh, I'm an Ari fan, but I I only knew that the song came out because someone posted on Insta, or like posted on Facebook, yeah. like about how No Tears Left to Cry was just everything, and already the summer hit, and I yep. was like, "Great, I'll hear it eventually." You'll be choreographing twelve numbers to it. <laughs> I'll pro- I was like, that's probably the first time I'll hear it, is I will be <laughs> choreographing it for somebody and be like, oh, this is cute. Who sings this? I'll know it's her yeah. voice. Um, but yeah, God, I, can we get five new qu- like five <laughs> new pop culture next things time, that I actually time. know about? Well, now <laughs> I have my previous guest asked uh, my current guest a question. Oh. And this is a question from Blake Zolfo. What favorite experience from your past did you enjoy but had the hardest time describing? Whispering into myself helps. It's a it's a tough question. It's a it's a it's a thinker. Um, I would have to say, the thing that's like really stepping out and like really like coming to the forefront of my mind is like an experience that is hard to describe. Um, would have to be my second cruise ship contract. Like, it's weird to say, like, not my first one, not, Uh like, not my final one, whatever. The second one was just... It was eye-opening and life-changing in a way that I never expected. Um, The cast of the ship that I was on became, like, an instant family... Um, and I think that's due to the fact that we were all coming out of, or like we were based out of a country that none of us were from. Mm -hmm. So the cast was split and half American, half British, and we were based out of Australia. So none of us knew the area. So we all kind of had to just like cling to each other in order to have like someone to sightsee with or someone to do like do things in port with or do anything with. So that was the first time that I feel like the entire cast was a cohesive unit. I had worked on lots of other projects and lots of other things before, but they became very clicky Mm -hmm. and very like you'd see those two or three people go off and do something together. And you'd have those people that would, were strictly only them. They only did that. And um, it was the first time that I was in a group of people that were so inclusive and brought everyone together that it felt like a second family. But 
it was one of those things that like I've I still am in contact with it's awesome. all of them. I still like I'm hoping that when I go to London I'll get to see some of the ones yeah. from England and um because a few of them I haven't seen in years, but it's been like I keep up with them. Like two of them live together now. Amazing. Like they're like best friends and roommates and they met on that contract. Like it's life has funny ways of it bringing does. people together. Life has very funny ways of bringing people together. And it's like even more so like I attribute a lot of I'm completely turning this back away from the cruise ship now, but I attribute a lot of my New York career as far as like nightlife goes and like who I work with and what I do in the nightlife scene to my dear friend, like I assist and choreograph on a lot of his projects. I work with him a lot. I dance for him. I dance with him and we just, we click and, um, his name is Richard Schaefer. Um, which he was the choreographer and as other dancer for Miss Fame when we toured together, works with a lot of the drag race queens, works with a lot of New York queens, um, is one of the organizers of the Miss Hell's Kitchen pageant that which just happened this past weekend. Um, but he and I met at Pride, uh, I think it was 2013. Wait, I have to go back. It was 14. That's what your Bianca won, correct? I believe so. Um, I wasn't watching then. It's okay. I was. Love you, Bianca. Um, But Richard really propelled my career as far as, like, giving me opportunities to choreograph for the Queens of New York and the Queens of Drag Race and the Queens of... uh, the world but um because this past christmas i got to choreograph um christmas queens at atlantic city partially because he wasn't available um he was touring with the christmas queens mm-hmm. tour and suggested my name to sherry um because we had worked together and she knew me and um he was like i think he would do great like he knows the style he knows the queens like he's organized, he'll get it done. And so I got the chance to choreograph for three of my favorite drag race queens. And it was like, that in itself was also a surreal, like there's so many things from my past that are like indescribable situations that I felt were almost out of body because it's just like, I can't believe this is happening to me or where my like life has taken me. Um, but the only one of those four that you didn't mention in the survivor challenge was Latrice mm-hmm. and working with her was like, that is one of those moments where you do not judge a person by what they look like because she will turn a step harder and better than some of these unpadded Queens that think they are, some of the most talented Broadway dance center babies. Like she will hit it and sell it. And that is why 
she is still at the height and like status that she is at today because yeah. she brings a show. Well, now is your turn to ask my next guest a question. And it can be any question in the entire world. You can make it as deep as the one you just had, or you can make it as silly. Oh, Lord. Um, it's hard to come up with, like, with a, just a general question, but I'm going to say, here's my question for the next guest. Coming from Twinkie Boots. Because I don't know why it's not coming from Chad. It's coming from Twinkie <laughs> But, um, so my question is going to be, um, because a lot of the guests on your block talk are of the LGBT community, um, with Pride coming up in June, what do you think, this is for the guest, what do you think is the most important aspect for the community to take away from Pride? I love it. I love it. I'm excited for the answer. Well, if I you... am too, because I really hope it's like Gloria or, <laughs> um, ooh, it should be like Daphne always. I, I want to get her on. <laughs> I want to get her on. I hope my question goes to Daphne always. Well, let, let's... Sorry, I'm putting it out in the her, universe. Get her on. <laughs> well, if you made it this far in the podcast, use hashtag Twinkie Boots. Now plug all your social media and all of your and uh, all forms fun and fundraisers. Great. So, as I mentioned before, with Twinkie Boots and his origin, he started with Broadway Bears. It is the season for fundraising for Broadway Bears. Um, so I've started my um, what we call the Stripathon, which is our online fundraising campaign. Um, you can go to. Donate, D-O-N-A-T-E, we're seeing how well I can spell right now, <laughs> dot Broadway, B-R-O-A-D-W-A-Y, cares, all one word, C-A-R-E-S dot org, backslash Chadley, C-H-A-D-L-E-Y, and that'll take you to my personal stripathon page. Um, you'll see a picture of me in a sideways tilt with my legs straight up in the air because you know dance um <clears throat> so the fundraising for that goes up until well it goes all the way through the end of the year so you can donate at any time between now and december 31st but the actual show for broadway bears this year is on june 17th um my as far as social media goes i am on twitter as the underscore chad underscore sap or you can follow my other twitter which is at twinkie boots all one word t-w-i-n-k-y boots b-o-o-t-s um and then i'm on instagram as at csap03 c-s-a-p-p-03 or at twinkie boots follow everything and if you have a glute salute that you want to share when it, the time comes, do it. Just slide into my DMs on CSAP because I see those a lot more frequently. Yeah. Well, Chad, this was incredible. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. 
A huge thanks to Chad for chatting. Subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud and leave us a review while you're there. And visit Patreon to become a patron of the podcast today. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterinthenow.com via our question link. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Thank you.